Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is A Lot To Learn with Austin Rogers. For the guy who knows everything, he's still got a lot to learn. Without further ado, here's Austin. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. I have no idea what time it is because this is a podcast and you listen to podcasts whenever you listen to podcasts, probably on your way home from work. Today is going to be super fun because we're talking about a subject that is, as far as I can tell, not really well addressed with Kate McCulley, aka Adventurous Kate, who makes a living by traveling alone as a woman. This sounds problematic, but I think she's going to tell us why it isn't as much of a challenge as you think. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much, Austin. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be super fun. So, you make a living via traveling the world. What are, what are we up to country-wise? 77 countries. 77. That's a nice even number. And all or seven it's continents. Not a, it's not an even number. Seven continents. Seven continents. Antarctica. Just went to Antarctica got, this year. You got Antarctica. Uh, that is amazing. Like in Antarctica or like an island off of Antarctica? Oh, continental Antarctica. You, you touched know. Antarctica. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah. You know, the people who run the trip, they're very serious about that, about is it continental or is it just an island? But I definitely got onto continental you got on, Antarctica. You got, you've been on the Antarctic continent. Absolutely. I think you're the only person I've ever met who's been on the Antarctic continent. which That's is so cool. That is so cool. So... Where'd this all start? What were you doing beforehand? Did you just rip up roots and just be like, I'm going to do this? Or was there an organic emergence of like bit by bit, hey, I could do something with this? Well, I think that the way that this all got started is if you go back to high school, that's when I did my first trip overseas, which was to France, where I stayed with a family in Normandy. And that was also around the time that I was experimenting with building websites for the first time. Of course, back then, they were Backstreet Boys fan sites. (laughs) But I think that's another question for another time. And um, so I've always loved travel, and I became more serious about it during college. I studied abroad. Um, Travel became one of my absolute favorite things, and college was also when I discovered blogging. But back then, called them online diaries because the word blog did not exist. I started my first blog in 2002 when I was 18 years old, and I blogged about about travels and everything else for years and years, and I decided eventually that I wanted to have a more serious blog just about travel. And I started it in 2010, and I wanted to own my screen name on everything, which was Adventurous Kate, so it became AdventurousKate.com. And I started writing about my travels. And what I had always wanted to do was to quit my job and travel the world for a year. I had a whole route mapped out, start in New Zealand and go westward. But then it became clear I didn't really have enough money to do that for a long time. So I decided, what if I just save up enough money to travel Southeast Asia for six months? So I did that. I was able to save up that money. I hated my job. I quit my job. I went to travel Southeast Asia for six months. And when I was away, I started actually making money through advertising on my blog because I was attracting a pretty big audience with it. And so when I came home from that trip, I ended up never going back to work. 
the blog has been my full-time job ever since. That is amazing. And, you know, I mean, I've spent a pretty decent amount of time in Southeast Asia, you know, uh, two months or so in Thailand, and then three, four weeks at a time in Indonesia and Malaysia and Singapore, which is a shithole. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's six months of money doesn't is not a lot of money to stretch if you're traveling on a budget in Southeast Asia. Not at all. I it, actually... is, it is accessible. It, it sounds like six months of money to travel. Well, the economies of scale makes it sure that that is not a lot of money. I did. I saved up thirteen thousand dollars, mm-hmm. and I also could have done it on less. Oh, absolutely! Mm-hmm. Oh, you could have done it on way less. Yeah. You could have done it Australian bogan style, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you still, you still want to actually, you know sleep someplace decent occasionally, you know? And do some cool activities. Yeah. That's where it really added up. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the blog is your full-time job. It is. It still is. is um, almost nine years later. Nine years. You've been blogging travel for nine years, and it generates enough ad revenue to live reasonably well and to continue your travels. And to leave re- live reasonably well in New York City. In New York City, correct. Well. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We are in my apartment in New York right now, and you live about, I don't know, 30 blocks away or something like that. Yep, just about. Yeah, um, in uh, you live in uh, Washington Heights, right? No, I, I live in Hamilton Heights. Hamilton Heights. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, <laughs> there's a fine border between those two. One fifty fifth Street. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. So, what do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about the travels and some tips and trades, or do you want to talk about the mechanics of how this industry has become your living and how people? can also get into it. We're going to talk about which, but which, which way do you think it works better? All right, let's start with the travel. Let's start with the travel. All right. So here we go. You quit your job. What was your job? I was working in search engine marketing, not in mm-hmm. SEO, more like oh, okay. the kind of paid search marketing where you put the little ads on the side of Google yeah. and I would make them say things like, want your teeth to not fall out of your face? Use fix it Yeah, got it. I understand. You can tell how I quit. Yeah. I, I yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did something similar. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with you. Um, yeah, so Southeast Asia, we start planning. You got $13,000 saved up. What are we going to do? Well, I started in in Bangkok because Bangkok really is the center of the world in Southeast Asia as far as backpacking goes. All roads lead to Bangkok. Oh, it's such a great city too. It is. It it's is, one it's, of my all-time favorites. It's everything you want it to be. You want it to be a cosmopolitan, clubby New York with a five-star restaurant. Yep. You want it to be a youth hostel and street food. Yep. And let's not forget the $7 an hour foot massages, my favorite thing about Thailand. Okay, I did not do that. I did, I did one of the back massages on one of the beaches, but I never did the foot massages. Yeah, you know, if you do it right on the beach, they charge more. It'll be like $10 for an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember having one. It was, it was pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Bangkok is amazing because it's everything at once, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, um, it has so many different personalities. I know some people who aren't really that hot on Bangkok, and I was like, you know, you just you didn't find your place in it then, because I really do think it's a city with something for everyone. The food's amazing. The food's the, amazing. The street food is yep. so cheap, like a, a dollar for a meal. Um, and the people are so nice and really welcoming, and it, it's very 
open culture. And then you could go, you know, on one night, go to the Suratani Hotel and get that five-star meal. And yeah, it's going to be expensive, but it might be the one the best, it was one of the best meals I've ever had, you know? Yeah. Um, that Bangkok, you're right. Bangkok is a great central location because now you've got the nation of Thailand around you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Koh Samui down south and Koh Phi Phi and stuff, but then you've got Chiang Mai in the north and the mountains. Mm-hmm. So where do we go next? Well, I actually went up to Chiang Mai. Me too. That's what they, we're, we're, oh, I think we did the same route. Yeah. I hope you went on a better bus than mine. Uh, I flew. Oh, you, you were smart then. <laughs> I was a broke backpacker back then. Well, that's the thing. That's the mm-hmm. thing that I found is all these regional airlines, you know, like this was recently after September 11th, not super pa- soon after September 11th, but recent enough. And um, you go to the Thai Airways office in the afternoon you mm-hmm. buy a flight for 40 bucks and you show up the next morning and you get on, you know, the 45 minute flight to Chiang Mai or whatever it is. Maybe it was like an hour and a half, whatever it is. It's a very short flight. And the Thai Airways puddle jumper flight had better food and service than a New York to LA flight in the United States. Yeah, it's crazy. Right? Well, US Airlines are the worst. They I are mean, the like worst. everyone acknowledges them yeah. as. The worst. They're 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 the Greyhound bus of airlines. Because <laughs> here I am, you know, I'm whatever, I'm 25 or whatever, and I'm on I'm flying. I'm like, why not just fly to each of these places instead of taking the buses? And uh, you get on the plane, and they're like, hot towel. I'm like, we're flying 45 minutes. <laughs> How do you have time for the hot towel? And they're like, and do you want you know some Thai spring rolls and a glass of wine? I'm like. Wait, this is just a normal coach, quote unquote, <laughs> flight, and it's better than anything I've ever experienced in the United States. I know. It's ridiculous. And it's like $44 or yep. whatever it was, you know? Yeah. Yep. That's true. Yeah. Um, so I went to Chiang Mai up in the mountains um, and, you know, six months in Southeast Asia, it sounds like, oh, you probably got to every single place in Southeast Asia, not even close. There were so many places I missed, but some of my favorites were um, Vietnam. I really enjoyed Vietnam. The North and the South are so different. Hanoi is the city with all of this French flair and crossing the street there is an adventure. Mm-hmm. Basically, you just walk out into the street with the scooters going everywhere and they just drive around you. That's how it works. If yep. you try to do it any other way, you will get hit. You got to yes, you got to maintain an even pace. You just keep the same pace. Do not stop, and they don't stop. And it's also like sort of the same way when you're. I, I drove for a certain time in Thailand too. Oh, wow! Yeah, all you have to do is you just maintain the same speed, and everyone else maintains the same speed, and you just brrr, you just <laughs> melt through one another. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like walking. It's sort of like being a pedestrian. No one ever stops gate when you're crossing, you know, when, when two crosswalks meet, you nope. just sort of walk through and no one bumps into each other. Yep. Yeah. It's just that it's at a much higher speed. Yep. Makes it all the more <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you checked off the Hanoi, the Ho Chi Minh City. Uh, mm-hmm. Where else did you check off on that trip? I went to Laos. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed southern Laos, which is much more rural and much less visited. Mm-hmm. Um, went to the 4,000 Islands. Went on a motorbike trip. I was the only solo female, only Western solo female out there on the road right. by myself, just riding a motorbike in the middle of nowhere. I went to Cambodia, Bali, Singapore, saw a little bit of Malaysia. So it was a pretty good overview of the region to start with. So now you're you're doing these travels, this this one travel specifically, and you're what you know this is back in the day. So you got to hit up an internet cafe, right, to add to your blog. Yes. Well, yes, I didn't. Yes, back then, internet cafes 
were the way of getting online. Yeah. It, there wasn't a guarantee that a guest house or a hostel would have it. Yeah, no, some of them had it, but that's not how, all of them. That's how I did it when I was doing it, you know, when I was in Thailand back in the day. Um, so so you're, you're going on and you're periodically popping up a new entry on the blog. Are you on the trip when you realize that it's resonating? It, I already had a bit of a following before that, which was really interesting. Um, I was just blogging about my past travels right. before I got started. Um, I, I started the trip about nine months into running the blog, so I already had a bit of a following to begin with. But yeah, it just grew and grew and grew. People were really into my trip. Back then, I blogged every day, which just seems so insane to me now. Wow, yeah. Well, how did you even do that? I just loved it so much. I made time for it. So you were hitting the internet cafe every day? Every single day. Or were you writing on the side and then just inputting it when you popped in? I would be writing almost every day. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes okay. I would crack out a few at once if I wanted some extra time, especially when I ended up meeting friends and traveling them with them for a few days. Of course, you want to do things with your friends all the time. Right. So now it resonates with everyone, and you realize, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I've got something going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, what, where, where do you now, and you return now, you return from this amazing trip. Uh, the money starts coming in, mm-hmm. right? Yes. How does the money come into a blog? Well, it was very different in 2010 from how it is today. Okay. But I will say that if you were like me and if you started way back in the day, pretty much the only way to make money with a travel blog was to sell text links. Mm -hmm. People would want you to put a link on your site that said cheap flights to Paris or something like that with the hopes that they would rise in the rankings for the term cheap flights to Paris, something like that. And that was, that, that would make me 50 bucks here, a hundred bucks here, sometimes even three or 400 if I was lucky. That was how it worked in the early days. I also did some freelance writing in my early days, and it was basically just a patchwork of making money here and there those ways, um, little gigs here and there, and selling text links. But then it wasn't until 2014 that I really started making serious money, Mm -hmm. and I did that through affiliate marketing, which meant that I linked to certain products, and if people bought them, I would get a cut. And now if you write a travel blog, you would do that about hotels or insurance. Um, flights pay almost nothing, but some people do flights anyway, um, or products on Amazon. Right. And yeah, so I started making the big money from that. From, from yeah. So, and how do you, those advertisers, do you go, do you solicit them? Do they come to you? Is it a hybrid? Um, a lot, a lot approach me and the vast majority of those who approach me are for items that I would never sell or that I would have a really hard time selling and, or why would I even sell something if I wasn't aware of it? Right, right, right. So there's a lot of, you got to cut through a lot of, uh, BS before you find the ones Mm -hmm. that you actually, that you would one, want, feel comfortable with and two, that you think had an opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So now here we are. We're back in New York. In New York, you, you went to Columbia Journalism School, right? No, no I did not. No, you did not. Who went to Columbia Journalism School? I don't know. I, I don't Someone know. else. <laughs> I am so sorry then. We will strike that from the record. No, we won't. We don't strike anything from the record. We'll just admit that I made a terrible mistake right there. Uh, but you are on Forbes's list of... The top 10 travel influencers yes, in the world. Yes, the, the top 10, tra- Forbes' top 10 travel influencers in the world. How does one get on that list? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I was floored when I got the email. <laughs> what, do, you get a, do you get a medal? Do you get a certificate? <laughs> no, I kind of want one now, though. <laughs> yeah, right? I want something to frame on that one, don't yeah. you? Um, and now 
you realize you can make a career of this. What do you do? Where do you start? Do you go like, do you pitch to people saying, I'm going to Argentina? Can you find me some ads that are relevant to that? Or does it work the other way around? Just be like, I'm going to Argentina. You guys sort this out. Well, there are a lot of different ways and they've, cha- and they've changed quite a bit over the years. But what I do today is I travel on my own with money that I earn from my affiliate marketing. And now I do display advertising as well, which are ads throughout the site. And I'll tra- I travel on my own dime that way. Or brands come to me and they say, we, would, we want you to go on this trip. We want you to promote this product or this destination or this hotel. We'll fly you out and we will pay you. And again, I turn down the vast majority of those, but I go on the ones that I think are really cool. That also meet, you know, the stern criteria that you've yes. created for yourself. Because, yeah, uh, there is um, there's a a slew of Instagram marketing scandals. Like uh, when Instagram first started taking off and the term influencer started coming to the forefront, all these luxury hotels and luxury resorts throughout the world would have people call them up and be like, I'm an influencer, give me a free trip. And then the hotel would be like, okay. And it turns out the person had like 1,400 followers or something like that. So all these major hotels and resorts have now had to hire or outsource social media teams to vet the people that they invite for free to come and endorse their products. As they absolutely should. But I I think it took the industry by... Uh, I think it took the industry by the blind side because I don't think they were ready for it because like, sure, come on. Like, did we just get, we just got scammed, didn't we? Yeah, honestly, um, Instagram changed everything. It blew up a lot of the world, but, um, and all these people started promoting it. They had, they started hiring influencers, especially hotels, luxury hotels to come to their hotels. But I think I've been seeing Instagram wane lately. People have been putting less money into hiring Instagram influencers because the big difference between content from a blog and content from Instagram is that content from a blog actually lasts. It lives on in the search engines forever. Aha, because there's text associated with it. Yep. Instagram, you see it and it's gone. It is. It is gone. Unless you're digging back through that influencer's uh, back catalog, but you're not because they put up 300 photos a day. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Ah, so content is still king. Yes, it is. Yeah, and I guess maybe to an extent uh, that could possibly translate to YouTube as well, because that lives on in perpetuity too and has hard and fast search criteria. So you can say, you know, Kerala and get, you know, videos on how to travel in Kerala, you know? Yes. Plus it's different how people are actually consuming information. When I work with travel brands, you know, they're trying to market in two ways. They're either trying to build awareness or they are trying to help people who are already planning a trip and want to help them plan it better. Um, Here are a couple of examples that I did. Um, Two cities that I worked with were Asheville, North Carolina and Savannah, Georgia. And what I did for Asheville was a big post on, it was something like 14 reasons why I'm smitten with Asheville, North Carolina. Love Asheville. It's such a cool place. And that really put it on people's radar for the first time ever. And it was the most popular post that I wrote all year. And I had- Really? On Asheville? Yes, it was. And another post that I did, um, Savannah, I adore Savannah. It's one of my favorite places But everyone's aware of Savannah. Yes. So now it's a, aha, mm-hmm. what about Savannah, yep. rather than what is Asheville in the first place. And now you can Google how to spend three days in Savannah, or just three days Savannah, and my post will come up. It'll give you hotel recommendations. It'll tell you where to eat. It'll help people that are actually planning their trips. 
And because of how I make money, I make money on the display ads in that post, the affiliate links off the hotel recommendations and some of the tours as well. Yep. So whoever shows up and there's, it's a one-stop shop. Yep. And that's how Kate makes her money. Yep. Which by the way, I'm not saying that in a snide way. Yep. You provided value exactly. to both the the brands, the hotels, and the consumer, and exactly. you, you provided to the consumer because you gave personal recommendations because you've done these things, mm-hmm. and uh, provide value to the city. Here's a boost in your tourism. Exactly. I mean, this this is this is not a cynical cash grab here. This is everyone actually everyone in this equation is winning in some way. Exactly. Winning. And Shit, you- I did it. <laughs> Can't help doing it. And it, and it went on after that. They really liked some of the photos I took, and they asked if they could buy the photos, and those photos are now in some of their marketing materials. That's uh, uh, great. That's really, really cool. Yeah. That's I really think cool. I need to point out one thing, though. It's not as simple as just starting a blog and you get this. They hire me because I have a very long history of creating quality work and of having a big audience. And that happens because my readers trust me. The number one thing that I hear from my readers more than anything else is, you're so honest. And I am. I talk about the bad. I've been through some awful times on my travels. I was shipwrecked once in the middle of the night. What? Uh, yeah, that's a All story. right. <laughs> there's a story. Well, you can't say there's a story and not tell a story. Yep. And I think this will uh, segue right into the second facet of your expertise, which is traveling single around the world as a woman. Yes. Which now I'm a six foot one white guy with an American passport. I could pretty much do whatever the hell I want, pretty much wherever I want. You also have a beard, so you look tough. Uh, yeah. Look tough. <laughs> <laughs> look, look being the uh, look being the operative statement. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm six foot one, and I'm a white guy with an American passport. Yes, mess with me, I dare you. You know, yep. it sounds cynical, but here's how the world works. You are a petite girl with. Pretty eyes and long brown hair. You're and, so sweet. Yep. And you're like, hi. You're not actually <laughs> like, hi. But I would, I would, uh, just to be, again, cynical and knowing how the world works, here's a mark, you know? Mm-hmm. How do you not be the mark? But first, we'll talk about that after the shipwreck. We yes. need a shipwreck. The shipwreck happened in Indonesia on my first trip to Southeast Asia that I was talking about earlier. And it was this trip from the island of Lombok, which is next door to Bali, to Komodo Island and back. Mm -hmm. A five-day trip altogether. You stay overnight on the boat. You sleep on the boat, all that stuff. And one night, and it was like the tail end of the rainy season, and it was really rainy one night. And I remember I I was so exhausted. I was sleeping on a bench, and suddenly we felt like a a big jolt and... I felt like the rain, like the curtain got pulled back and all this rain fell on me and I scrambled to the inside of the boat. And then one of the crew members comes up and goes, everybody get your life jackets on. And as terrifying as that was, I also remember thinking like, you gotta be kidding me. (laughs) We're doing this now. And, um, the boat, they hit a reef. They had been navigating by flashlight in a place where they never should have been during rainy season. And the boat started to go down and they started to speed to shore And so it ended up working out that the boat was kind of sinking on the right side and we were standing on the left side, like perched above and port, 
Yeah, yes, yes, the port side. I, it I is know. listing on the starboard. Right. So you moved to the port. <laughs> I moved to the port. Yes. There, there is, we had been sleeping in the stern. <laughs> I can tell you that. I've, I've been. I, I've read some maritime novels in my time. <laughs> and and the, the the good way to say is listing. You were listing. Listing. <laughs> listing to starboard. Oh, so you moved to the port. Sinister. <laughs> Um, so we, we had to jump off and into the water. I remember the water being so warm. It was like jumping into a bath. Right. Because the water is always warm there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I would, cause you imagine we're, you know, being from, you know, North, uh, the Northern climbs be like, Oh my God, shipwreck. And I got to jump in the water and mm-hmm. be like, I'm going to shiver. I'm going to freeze to death. I'm going to Jack and Rose myself right here. And mm-hmm. instead you're like, oh, this is so nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nicest shipwreck ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we had to jump off the boat and swim about 60 meters to shore. And also I should add that there was a baby on board, 10 months old. Mm-hmm. Her father tied a scarf around her middle and then he tied it to his wrist and held her above his head and jumped in. I mean, we didn't know what we were jumping into. You didn't know how deep it was. No, yeah. and, and that area of around Komodo Island, it's like one of the best snorkeling and diving destinations in the world it's because it's full of sharks. Oh my God. Yeah. And so and, we, it's, and it's night. Yes. Oh, it's like 2 a.m. Okay. Yeah. And we landed on, uh, on And it's an raining. It's raining. Yes. Yeah. It's raining. It's night. Mm-hmm. Can you see the island through the rain? We could see what we were going toward. They okay. still had those flashlights out that kind of... Thank God they had those flashlights. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we swam to shore, and this was a little island off Komodo Island, and we later found out there were no Komodo dragons in that part of the island, which is great because they kill a few humans a year. And yeah, Komodo dragons are the... Are they the world's only venomous lizard or the world's largest venomous lizard? The largest. Largest venomous yes. lizard, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they can swim too, can't they? Oh, God. Oh, you've just given me such a, cr- a creepy image. I think they can swim. Oh, Aren't I hope those, not. Oh, no. Those are, are those the sea iguanas of the Galapagos? Probably the sea iguanas. I think it's the yeah, sea I iguanas. I don't think the Komodos I don't know swim. if they swim. Someone yeah. look that up and tell us if they swim or not. <laughs> but we do know they are the world's largest venomous lizard. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> that 10-month-old baby is uh, Komodo bait. <laughs> yeah, she really was. By the way, is everyone on this little sojourn, on this little uh, Gilligan's Island minnow uh, experience, is everyone Western or is it a mixed bag? Everyone was Western. Got it. And the crew was all local. Of course. Indonesian. And we, we, so we got on this, um, so we got on this island, then we spent about 30 minutes climbing the rocks. It's not like we washed up on a beach. No, we washed up on volcanic rock. It was really sharp. I, I was wearing sports sandals. Oh, my God. I, no, it will cut your feet to death. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was wearing sports sandals like Tevas, so I, I just jumped in with those, and my feet were great. Not Everybody else, not so much. Right, because they jumped off with probably bare feet. Yep. And they're or on flip-flops. literally volcanic glass. Yeah. And I mean, we had to jump off. Oh, yeah, we, I mean, we had to jump off because they said neither of the lifeboats could be used, which is insane. Yeah. So we get on the island, we like climb for half an hour. We don't know what we're doing, but turns out there's a nearby German dive boat, a luxury dive boat, and they sent a dinghy to pick us up. And we spent the rest of the night on their boat. Thank God the Germans were organized. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh yeah, and then the next morning we were picked up by the Indonesian equivalent of the Coast Guard, and the captain had a sticker in his window that said "High Times" with the marijuana leaf on it. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of confidence there. <laughs> and the Germans, they were, they were very organized. <laughs> uh, for our German listeners, you guys are organized, so fucking take it as a compliment. <laughs> 
Um, all right, so we went through the shipwreck. Yes. So let's go through the overarching adventurous Kate philosophy, which is how to, one, travel solo as a woman, and two, how to sort of get over that hump, that psychological bump that it's not that hard, and three... Let's go through some, break down some preconce- uh, mis- misconceptions, some mispreconceptions, some preconceived misnotions as I mix all the phrases together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's travel solo as a woman. All right. How do we do this? Um, Well, let's start. Probably if you're a woman who's thinking about traveling on her own, the first thing that somebody will say to you, probably a family member will be, it's not safe. No matter where you want to go, it's not safe. You need to have a male escort. Someone needs to go with you. And But you know what? That's a uniquely American thing. There is a lot of fear-mongering in the U.S., and I don't hear the There's same kind of There's fear-mongering in the U.S.? <laughs> yeah, yeah, No. Yeah. Oh, no, all, never. It's all cable news. Oh, my God. Wait, I think, are we supposed to be butt-chugging right now or tie-potting? <laughs> Wait, what are, what are our teens up to right now? What are our teens up to? What are they snorting right now? Uh, something that hasn't even been invented <laughs> exactly. yet. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, so, okay, so it might be a uniquely American perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because my, my Australian peers, my Kiwi peers, um, Europeans, South Africans, they don't get nearly the amount of fear-mongering against women traveling on their own. Now, mind you, you've been everywhere, and you've been with other solo female travelers yes. from multiple countries, All and you can place. just say definitively, this attitude is an American attitude. Very much so. Yeah. It's not even the same in Canada. It's Things are quite different. Yeah, okay. So, I think cable news plays a big role. Well, then that's a, that's a huge hurdle to get over. Well, that's a huge hurdle that you just got over right mm-hmm. now, saying the rest of, for lack of a better term, the rest of the white world mm-hmm. does not have this problem. Yes. Yeah. Or this mm-hmm. psychological hurdle. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and if you were traveling, um, say you wanted to go to travel to Mexico, and your, and your dad, for example, goes, it's not safe. Well, what I always say is consider the source. Who is the person who you're listening to? And the questions you need to ask yourself does this person travel? Does this person travel the way that I travel? Like say backpacking as opposed to just sitting on a resort the whole time? Has this person been to? I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That destination? And has this person been to that destination in the past decade or so? 
Yeah. And if the answers to all four of those questions are yes, then you should probably hear them out and see what they have to say. <laughs> but the vast majority of the time, you know, you're talking to somebody who's never been to Mexico. Mexico is great. Mexico is awesome. I love Mexico. I'm going next month. I oh, can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be warm. <laughs> I went, I, I, my most recent Mexico trip was just a day trip. Mm-hmm. Just went from San Diego, San Diego to Tijuana to watch a baseball game. Mm. And one of the best meals I ever had in my life was at Los Toros de Tijuana Stadium. Really? Just the baseball stadium food in the Tijuana Toros minor league Mexican baseball game was better food than I probably had in the intervening six months. That is amazing. The ballpark food. I can't believe you went to Tijuana to watch a baseball game. I I didn't know that was even a thing. Oh, my God. Okay, so Mexican baseball is Mm -hmm. amazing. Okay. All right, so here's American baseball. Oh, do they wear the masks like in No, 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 they do do not. But here's here's American baseball, you know. Now batting, uh, you know, number 24, Steve Steverson and his walk up music comes up like bring down the house bring down the noise right (laughs) and then the music stops Mm -hmm. and then play ensues right Mm -hmm. and then in between a pitch you know da 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 and then they pause and then the pitcher pitches Mexican baseball batter walks up pitcher goes into his windup <laughs> right before the pitcher releases the ball the music stops mm-hmm. the catcher catches it the only time the music stops during a Mexican baseball game is when the pitcher's arm hits the apex of his delivery and he releases the ball. And while the ball is in the air between the pitcher's hand and the catcher's mitt, does the music stop? And then the second it hits the catcher's mitt, they start the music again. So it is a riot. It's music the whole time. Latin Americans can make a party out of anything. And it was great. It's families. The kids are running around on the field. In between the games, in, in between the innings, uh, there's uh, it, there's Mexican baseball cheerleaders. If I ever retire anywhere, it will be with a Mexican baseball cheerleader. <laughs> uh, and and the food was amazing. And the guys I'm sitting next to, I'm like using my barely moderate Spanish, and I'm like, you know, I'm not even going to embarrass myself with how bad it is. And I ask them questions, and eventually one guy goes, uh, "All right, I guess you could stop embarrassing you, man. I'm from San Diego, so we could speak English now." I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, Mexican baseball. Try it. I will. Yeah. I, I think I have to now. Oh, you, you must. You must. There's my recommendation to you. Now, you're going to give recommendations to us on traveling solo as a female. So take your source into mind. If Grandpa Jackson says, well, it's dangerous there. I saw it on Kellyanne Conway's talk show. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got a problem there. Yeah, exactly. And I think Mexico in particular is held to misconceptions because everyone is aware of the drug violence, the cartels and everything. That is not the vast, vast, vast majority of Mexico. That's that, also targeted vendetta violence. Exactly. That's, they're, they're, that's, that's mafia mob gang thing. Exactly. They're not, there's no use in killing a random person. And most of that takes place in areas around the north where tourists do not go anyway. Right. You go to the south of Mexico or you go to either the exactly. coast or you go to Mexico City. Yeah. Yeah. So many wonderful places all over Mexico that are safe to visit and really wonderful. Um, what are some other places that get a bad rap? Oh, the Middle East. Easily. 
Um, everyone thinks that the Middle East just has bombs flying all the time. Not the case at all. Jordan is beautiful. I think that if you're going to the Middle East for the first time, you have to go to Jordan. It is stupendously safe, and it has a lot of wow factor. Right. Uh, Petra is in Petra. Jordan, right? Oh, just walking down the sea to and, see Petra and rise. seeing that for the first time that you've Amazing. seen forever and ever and ever. I mean, it's, it's literally an icon of world of the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's one of the most recognizable things on Earth. Uh, yeah, that's got to be. But then you always see the alternate photo. Which one is that? When you're looking backwards and seeing the tens of millions of people uh. also <laughs> taking that same photo. Yeah. That would get to me. Well, you know what? There's a travel tip right there. Go early. Wherever you go, go early. Everywhere. It's, a Pure, much, pyramid. it's safe during the day. Pyramids. Yeah. Go early. Yeah. Angkor Wat. Even walking around a city, wake up early and walk around. It'll be quiet. It'll be nice. Oh, yeah, You'll have a you're more right. local perspective, people shopping for food. You're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, if you come to New York, definitely go early. Oh, it's so yeah. different. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Go early. Yeah. I once came back. I was super jet lagged and I went out for like the best walk at 5 a.m. It was so nice. Oh, because you were still up and about. So you're like, mm-hmm. I just got to knock this out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a good one. Go yeah. early. Mm-hmm. I like that. So then you don't, because you always see, you know, there's like a Wendy's right next to the pyramids or something like that. I, yeah. I don't know. I see, I've never been to the pyramids, but you see that alternate view and you're like, ah, the glory of the pyramids. Mm. And then behind it's like, is that a McDonald's in a subway? That's a McDonald's in the subway, <laughs> like right there. You know, some of my favorite pictures from Santorini are during the sunset, but it was me photographing the people. Just the crowds of people, everyone gathers in the same spot, facing the same direction. And I just enjoyed photographing all the people taking the same picture of the sunset. That is fascinating. That's actually, I like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's actually cool to look the other way. Yeah. Because then you're seeing, yeah, because everyone, you could just go on Google and see that thing the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Just type Santorini into Google Images. Yeah. You know, you've got your calendar for the year. All right, so we got listen to the source. We got go early. We got mm-hmm. oh, so let's break down some of the, uh, the other misconceptions on the Middle East. Yeah, people think that it's super dangerous and also um, dangerous for women in particular. Um, I think that people, so much of it stems from Islamophobia, which is really a big shame. What? We're Islamic phobic uh, too? Yes, yes. Wait, <laughs> we hate Mexico and Islam? No. Wait. Welcome to America. Are you talking about the same America I'm talking about? <laughs> that was my sarcastic voice. Sarcasm. Hashtag trademark. Well, um, earlier this year, I was in Lebanon for the first time. And I went to Lebanon in particular because very few travel bloggers go there. And I'm trying to go to more places that aren't as oversaturated with tourism. Lebanon is a really great place to go if you do have some experience traveling in the Middle East because there's like very little travel infrastructure. But to my great surprise, I was treated so well as a solo woman. Mm-hmm. Like um, one thing I made sure to do was to travel by public transit a bit just to see what it was like. And they have minibuses that go from Beirut to all over the country. And one of my friends who lives in Beirut was telling me, you know, unofficially the first two rows are reserved for women. Men don't sit next to women unless there's no other choice. And then when I was coming back from this awesome little city called Tyr, um, the bus kind of filled. And so a man had no choice but to sit next to me. But he left a good six inches between our bodies. Which is the total opposite of being on a New York subway. Exactly. I will, Could you imagine that happening oh, in New York? Everyone manspreads man all over Man spreads all you. over. I, yeah. I, I'm like a conscious non-man spreader. And then I'm like, well, I can at least, I can let my legs out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like the manspreading. Uh, for those of you unaware of manspreading, it is when... Some dickhead gets on the subway and just opens his legs all the way and, in essence, 
takes up three seats. You know, one of these days, I am just going to lift my own legs and put them right, right on Right on over them. Oh, my it's God. It's going to happen one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could probably do that because the guy would be like, what is happening here? If I did that, I'd probably get my jaw broken. <laughs> Um, yeah, man spreading, man spreading is the worst. Uh, don't even Google it. Just know that it's the worst. And if you find yourself doing it, just show a little fucking respect for the people around you because we're all going to the same place. Exactly. And we're the all city going. doesn't work unless we're considerate of each other. And we all know we're going through the same shit. Oh, I'm really late. Guess what? We're all really late. Everyone's really late yep. all the time. So you holding, oh, holding the doors. Yeah. Oh, it's the worst. You're holding, you are that important that you can hold up the 250 people in this car and there are seven other cars with 250 people. Please tell us, are you that important that the 1,821 people on this train, I hope your heart surgery is really important that you got to get to. Hey buddy, if you were that important, you wouldn't be taking the subway. Yeah, yeah. If you were that important, your S class would be upstairs. <laughs> exactly. Who are you, Jay Z? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you're in Beirut, and the uh, so so it there's sort of a built-in social code to mm-hmm. make women feel safe. Yes. And I was so impressed by that. It wasn't something I expected at all. There are some destinations in the world that I think are particularly good for women where you get virtually no catcalling. Japan, you never get any catcalling in Japan. And one reason why I love Southeast Asia so much is that the men don't yell things out at you. But virtually everywhere else in the world, catcalling is a thing. You know, right. In Latin America in particular, it's pretty bad. In the U.S., it's pretty bad. Just um, I live in Harlem. Walking home from the subway, I get like three catcalls a night. Yeah, that's just part of life, part and, of being a woman. And again, that's that's something I can't comprehend. Like when you know I'm bartending, and this girl's like, "Where'd my friend go?" I'm like, "I don't know. She's probably fine." And she goes, "Uh?" And I go, mm. "Oh no, not thinking right. I'm not yep. thinking right." Yep. You know, she's like, "She doesn't know where her friend is. She is now super nervous where her friend is." Exactly. I'm like, "I think she left," and she goes, oh, "She left." I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "She was really drunk and she left." I'm like, "Oh yeah, it happens." And then I go, "Oh wait, no, that's not cool." All right, no. let me look for her. Oh, yep, I found her. She was in the bathroom. She's cool. And they'd be like, "All right, good." Uh, but it, I always have to, I always have to take a second leap of information. Yes. To put myself, to empathize in that, in that situation, you know? And, and you know, it's interesting. I think you probably have more empathy for this being a bartender and just um, having, getting to know people with all of these intimate conversations over the years. But I find that a lot of men in the travel blogging world and those who are uh, or digital nomads, quote unquote, and do a lot of traveling, I find they try to over-equalize things, I should say, or they try to, they perceive things differently and they'll be like, no, it's just as safe for a man to travel, a woman to travel the world as a man. It's not different at all. But you know, what they don't understand is that as women, we have this undercurrent in our lives. We are always, always, always thinking about the risk of sexual assault in the back of our minds. Yeah. It never leaves. Yeah. It's there at work. It's Mm -hmm. there when somebody walks behind us on the street a little too closely. Um, You immediately get a thought like, what do I do if this turns worse? Yeah. That is everywhere and that extends to travel as well because that is part of life. Yeah, no. If like I if if like oh, I'm a bartender moving through the crowd, I touch someone on the back just to move them out of the way. I immediately think I'm like, "Oh, did I touch them too low on the back? I don't want them to think that was a grope. That wasn't a grope because and by the way, their first thought was, was that a grope? Exactly. Nope, nope that wasn't a grope. That was just him getting by, right? Because I have female friends. I have mm-hmm. girlfriends, you know, stuff like that. And they tell me all the time, they're like, no, these are the things we think of 24-7. Exactly. And that's so, 
ah, terrifying. Yeah. I mean, to have to be on point all the time because I, 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 I can rationally envision it, but I can't feel it at all because I've never been exposed to it. Um, so that's really awesome that you're telling people how to be conscious of it, but not to let it run their lives. Exactly. Exactly. So where are some places where it actually is dangerous to be a woman? Well, one place, well, an interesting question would be what is off your list at the what moment? What is off your list at um, the moment? Because places change. Places change. Places evolve. What was a war zone 20 years ago is now a beautiful resort. Exactly. You know? And vice versa. What was a liberal democracy is now a totalitarian regime. Exactly. I have some friends who used to travel to Syria and they loved it. But, but of course, Syria yeah, is a no-go right. at this time. Um, and Lebanon used to be a no-go, but now it's, it's wonderful. It's fine. It's right. great. I mean, Lebanon was France's resort for, you know, millennia or yeah. no, not millennia, what, t- 200 years or yep. whatever. People st- still speak French as one of the main languages there for yep. that reason. And that's where all the, uh, the spies and the expats and all mm-hmm. the, that cool culture, that cool sixties Lebanese culture happened. Yep. And then they had a 20 year civil war. Yep. But so Lebanon's on the way back. Yep, Lebanon's great. And like I said, they don't have very much travel infrastructure, but if you're an independent traveler, you're experienced, you could really enjoy it. It's a really cool place. So where's a good place? You know, you're a a 20-something, 27, 26-year-old girl. You just got a nice bonus from the company, and you're like, all right, three months. Let's do this. I don't need my girlfriends with me. I don't have a boyfriend right now, blah, 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 blah. What's a good what's a good jump off point? What's a good primer trip that you go on for like 2 3 months on your own? I actually think that Southeast Asia is an excellent option. I did that myself. It is such an easy place to travel. Like every guest house doubles as a travel agency. You can just um in Thailand, you can just walk up to your guest house and be like, "Yeah, I feel like going to Koh Phi P tomorrow." And they'll be like, "All right, here is your train ticket, here is your ferry ticket and there you go. They'll book a few right there. I'm not familiar with the, the guest house sort of thing. I'm sort of like a hotel hostel kind of guy. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's the guest house experience like? Guest houses are like simple hotels. They're family run. And they're usually on the smaller side just because, you know, it's a single family running it. But it's just a simple place to stay and a, a private room. And in Southeast Asia, you can get a room for about $10 a night, sometimes less. You know, the rules are beach resorts are the most expensive, but um, and cities can be expensive too. But if you go rural and if you go to less visited places, it can the price can really drop. So I was recently in um, – I was in um, – in Bali, in Kuta, mm-hmm. for... Uh, oh, I have a post on my site called Kuta, the worst place in Bali. <laughs> well, I, I went... like it there. I went with um, Maria. This complicated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she had, when growing up, she had... Her family had had a villa in Bali. Mm-hmm. So she knew Kuta intimately. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kuta is... Well, I, I found Kuta fascinating because it was a real working city with real people in it once you got away from the beaches. And yes. so we didn't stay near the beach. We stayed a little bit further in. And that was... Oops. Don't worry, there was no wine in the glass. I spilled an empty <laughs> glass. Uh, that was that was worth it because you go walk to the beach and walk on the beach and blah, 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 blah. But don't stay on the beach. Super yeah. expensive to stay on the beach, but just walk to the beach. And you'll be surrounded by drunk Australians yeah. pouring their beer bottles on everybody. 
Yes, there were a lot of drunk Australians pouring their beer bottles on everyone. But again, I was with Maria, so she mm-hmm. knew a driver that she had grown up with, so we yeah. got driven around and blah, 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 That's blah, blah. That's what you got to do. Just yeah. get out, get off the beaten path a bit. Yeah. Really rewarding. Yeah, yeah. And even, even by the beaten path, even me like six blocks away from the beach, if it costs X to be on that resort on the beach, just go to the one a couple blocks off. You can still walk to the beach. Yes, you can. Yeah. And you could literally cut your thing, cut your price by, you know, 75% or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so Southeast Asia is a good primer trip for the, uh, for the, the newbie v- rookie female traveler. Let's go through a checklist. What do you need to, what do you need to do this? Where should you go? No. Or what do you need? What do you need? Yeah. What do you need? Okay. Like, in terms of, well, the good thing is everything is cheap in Southeast Asia. Um, you need any clothes? Just pick up some super cheap clothes there. But it's pretty warm for the first, for the most part. So mainly summer clothes will get you through. Um, some things that I recommend bringing, the absolute best thing that I pack and that I recommend to everyone is a portable safe. I have one from PackSafe. It's basically like a bag that is lined with mesh, and you can lock it to something in your room, the mm-hmm. sturdiest thing in your room. Um, I put my valuables in that, and I lock it up, and that's where my valuables stay all day. A portable safe? Yes. I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, they are so good. You know, once I led a, a couple times, I led tours through Central America of my readers, and I walked into the bathroom, and I saw three of the brand that I used. <laughs> three of them were locked <laughs> around the base of the sink, and I was like, you guys you listen, guys listen to, to me. You guys listen to me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was so sweet. What else? What's on the, what's on the essentials? Um, well, flip-flops, because um, in many Asian countries, you're always taking your shoes off. You take mm-hmm. your shoes off when you go inside. You oh. take your shoes off when you go to temples. And um, definitely a bathing suit, because you're hopefully going to be going to some beaches. Uh, let me think of some other things. Um, I like bringing a little portable speaker. It just kind of like makes things into a little party mm-hmm. when you're going around. Uh, Kindle. Oh, my God. When I did my first trip in Southeast Asia, I didn't have a Kindle, and I just relied on uh, going to the used bookstores everywhere I went because I'm a huge reader. And uh, I was basically like reading all of the Jodi Picoult novels because that's all the only palatable thing that I could find at all of the bookstores. Who? Oh, Jodi Picoult. It's like she writes about these ambiguous legal and medical issues, but there's always a, a blue collar firefighter, or a police officer husband who goes on a monologue about even though his wife is fatter now, he finds her even beautiful, <laughs> even more beautiful. <laughs> Every book, I swear to you, without fail. <laughs> um, that's that's a pretty good model. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, you know your audience. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, he, he's rugged and he's tough and like she put on a couple of pounds, but I still love her. <laughs> yes, exactly. That could be my Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, we're so cynical. Now, here's a question that, that actually just raised an important question. Um, Th- th- you're addressing this from a young girl's game. Mm-hmm. What what about when you're when you're a little bit older? I mean, what, you're a divorcee or a widower, and you've never traveled before. Can they glean advice from your sort of thing too, or 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 is it is this sort of a young girl's game that you're talking about? Absolutely. It is not just it is not just a young girl's game. If no matter how old you are, you can absolutely do this. I have friends who are in their 60s who are solo female travelers and some of the most badass people that I know. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if you Google solo female travelers over 40, 
you can see a post on my site that um, that features several different women um, who are over 40 and have their own travel blogs and travel extensively solo um, from a variety of racial backgrounds, a variety of ethnicities, um, variety of ages. They range from like 40 to 75. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. So so you, you, you offer a wealth of advice for like anyone can get on on this. And like, I mean- I'm getting in on this too. Yeah. I travel a real lot now mm-hmm. and I've never heard of this little mesh portable safe thing. Yes. Now, like when I go into, so when I'm traveling with Maria, she's like, lock everything in the safe. When I'm traveling with myself, I'm like, I'm just going to leave it there. Cause again, white guy thing, right? Yeah. I just, I, I gotta, we can all learn from your experience yeah. because like my I maybe no not maybe I am more naive than you are because I'm like man everything will work out mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah maybe maybe getting your passport stolen is something you might want to just preempt in the first place exactly and you know the vast majority of thefts like in hostels for example mm-hmm. are opportunistic yeah and people always say to me oh but that's safe if you had strong enough bolt cutters you could cut it apart no yeah. one has the bolt cutters yeah they see the thing Most lying people, around they see something they grab it they get out like the glitter bomb today did oh, you see the glitter I bomb the glitter bomb that's oh like my, my new favorite thing I all right. love it alright so everyone has seen this right now because it just came out yesterday, but there were 26.9 million views on this guy's YouTube. And NASA, Amazing. A NASA engineer who, by the way, I did not know. I had seen him before. He is the one who built a dartboard that will automatically throw a bullseye. That it, is so cool. It had sensors all over it, so you'd throw the dart at it, and the dartboard would move to the bullseye every single time. That is something so, the world needs. So I actually saw this guy before. I did, hadn't realized it, but I'm sure everyone's seen the glitter bomb right now. Uh, but that was the fart spray. Oh, that was the, the finishing touch. <laughs> that was the that was the pièce de résistance. Everyone freaking out once it starts spelling, spraying the farts. Wait. What are we going to? Oh, yeah. So everyone can learn from mm-hmm. Kate's experiences, like be it an older female traveler or like a middle aged white guy like me. Now, you're right. Theft is opportunistic. That's why they stole. That's where we got to this. Mm-hmm. That's why everyone stole the packages off the door. Exactly. They were walking because by. They saw the package and, it was and they took it. Yeah. And that's why they'll mm-hmm. steal your passport if it's on the counter. And it drives me crazy when I see people not using the hostel safes. Yeah, well, they're there. They just use them and they'll put their passport under their pillow. Oh, come on. No, you literally beep, 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 beep. Yeah. Press the pound key, beep, 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 and now it's locked. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Um, yeah. So Maria made me lock everything up. Mm-hmm. And by the way, now it's a habit of mine. Yes. Now, now I Now I automatically do it. Uh, we went, Maria and I went to a uh, wedding in Connecticut, and she's like, should we put everything in the safe? And I go... Yeah, we're in Connecticut right now. I think we're actually okay with not using the safe for this one. Yeah. We can we can we could skip the case. We could skip we could skip the safe in Connecticut. Yeah. She's like, what about my jewelry? I'm like, you're wearing it. We're at a wedding. She's like, what about my passport? I'm like, we're in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? You got a, you got a huge list here. Let's see what else we got on this. Um, oh, I really doubt you destination, can read my keep your valuables on you while in transit. Yes, yeah. and that means um, I always travel with two bags. I have a little day bag that I carry with me all the time. It never leaves my side. That's where my computer goes. That's where my nice camera goes. All of my valuables, they stay with me on my body. Little side bag. Yeah. yeah. And if you're taking a bus, you put you put your big bag underneath the bus or you check it on the plane or whatever, but that little bag never leaves your side when you're moving from place to place. Got it. Uh, only take what you need and leave the rest locked up. Yep, we just went over that. Mm-hmm. 
don't trust people too quickly to guard your stuff. Yes, when it comes to guarding your stuff, or if you like meet a guy and you're and you're. I don't know. Getting yeah, yeah, I, stuff yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't trust people too quickly. I yeah. also have a friend who fell victim to the Chinese tea scam, where you meet these like new girls and you feel like you're your friends, and they invite you to a Chinese tea ceremony, and then the bill comes and you have to pay like a hundred bucks. Yeah, and they're white girls. No, they're Chinese oh. girls oh, who okay. scam white people. Oh, okay. Or scam Westerners. I um, should say. I remember in Bangkok, I got in. The first and last time I ever took the tuk-tuk um, was I had researched, because this was before, you know, iPhones. And mm-hmm. in the Lonely Planet, I found this awesome restaurant I wanted to go to. And I've got this weird thing where I memorize maps of cities before I go to them. Nice. So I at least have directional awareness. Um, I might not know exactly where I am, but I know if you're heading the wrong direction. And so I get in the tuk-tuk, I say the address, I say the restaurant, and he's going this way, he's going this way, and I go, okay, he should be making a left at this next major street. How can you memorize Bangkok? It's such an insane city. I am a <laughs> Jeopardy champion. I do memorize things for a living. That makes <laughs> a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, also, it's one of my, I love maps. Me so too. like I you will can see my apartment there it's covered in maps. I, like I remembered like the the week before I went to Bangkok I'm like this one goes this way this one goes this way and I just memorized all the major thoroughfares. So I'm in the tuk tuk with my uh, my college ex girlfriend Julia and we're going to this place and I'm like all right he should be making a left soon. He should be making a left soon. Okay. Now I remember there's another major road that comes diagonally back up here. So maybe he's doubling back on that one. And then he made a right. And they made another right and dropped us off at a restaurant. And I go, this is not the restaurant. Oh, wow. He took you to his buddies. Yep. He took you to the buddies. He go, we're here. I go, we are not here. And then that was the last time I took a tuk-tuk in Bangkok. I only took the air con. Well, you know, the other thing is, like, no Bangkok tuk-tuk or taxi driver. Well, probably I would trust the tuk-tuk drivers more than the taxi drivers. Bangkok taxi drivers don't have a clue where they are going. Really. it's It's a mess. Hmm. I found them to be really good, mm-hmm. but only when I, oh shit, you're right. Only when I got them from the hotel. Yeah. If I got them from the hotel, like the hotel called me the cab, mm-hmm. they would know where to go because yeah. the, ta- the hotel would tell the taxi driver where to go. Mm-hmm. So there was no, uh, there was no uh, breakdown in communication. Yeah. And Bangkok has Uber now, which is, which is cool and different. And <clears throat> Uber. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, another yeah, story. Double double edged sword that Uber thing. Yeah, uh, don't trust people too quickly. Yeah, that's a good one because I've had girls who have been like they'd gone out and they'd meet like oh I met this really cool Danish guy and they'd spend a couple days with him on the beach and then whoop Danish guy was gone. Wait, mm-hmm. is that gone too? Did he actually do that? Yeah. Spoiler: He probably did that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. there are scammers. All around the world Everywhere. and people who make their living doing this. Mm-hmm. How else do you think they stay in those tropical locales so long with no money? <laughs> <laughs> Watch your drinking. Uh-oh. I'm in a problem with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we are actually drinking as we record this. So, um, yeah. But, um, but seriously, especially for women who are traveling alone, really be careful about your drinking. Um, you know your own personal levels. You know what works to you. But I encourage you to be on the more conservative side just because drinking lowers your inhibitions. And as always, keep a close eye on your drink, as you should anywhere. Yeah. 
blend in as much as you can. All right. So there's a That's, thing. Yes. I, yes. I do have something to say about that. I got a story. Okay. First. Okay. All right. So here's mine. And let's see if you could give me an analog to it. Okay. I, um, I show up to Italy to Rome for a friend's wedding, but the wedding's not in a couple days. And so I'm like, I'm going to spend a couple days in Rome. And I flew straight in from work the day before. So I still mm. had, you know, uh, I had, you know, nice jeans, a button down shirt and a blazer on. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I just literally went straight from work, straight onto the plane to Rome, straight to Rome, arrived at Rome in the morning, dropped mm-hmm. my, dropped my bags at my hotel no place to change. So I just grabbed my shoulder bag with all my stuff in it, the good stuff in it, my clothing bag, and then just started walking around Rome blindly, aimlessly, never been to Rome uh, before, Mm -hmm. but I'm wearing Ray-Bans and I got a blazer Mm -hmm. and I got a button down shirt. I like dressing up when I travel. Well, this, I did not think of it this way before, Mm -hmm. but then I see all the tourists Mm-hmm. And they're in the shorts with the, the socks and the and sandals and the sneakers, and the the sneakers. Gross athletic and, sneakers. And, and, and yeah, yeah, and the, and, and the hats with the sun flaps on the back of it, mm-hmm. and sunglasses with the little little mm-hmm. boaty things around the neck, and blah 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 baseball blah. Baseball caps and baseball caps and blah 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 blah. And although I'm not denigrating the race of Roma, but all the Roma, which is the ethnicity of gypsies, uh, are harassing all the tourists, harassing all the tourists, harassing all the tourists. And I'm like, huh, I'm not getting harassed at all. I'm not getting, oh my God, I'm chain smoking cigarettes, wearing (laughs) Ray-Bans and a blazer and a button down shirt. Holy shit. Dude, you are Italian. Well, now here's the thing. This is where it really nails it. Mm -hmm. I decide to walk on this one particular day. I'm saying like I'm dropping my bags off at 9 a.m. I figure I'll go back to the hotel at 2 p.m. for like a shower and a nap or something like that. I don't get back to my hotel till 9 p.m. I just end up walking Rome by myself for 12 hours. Wow. And I get stopped for directions all the time. Yes, I love when that happens. People are like, scoozy, scoozy. I'm like, I speak English. They're like, oh, oh, oh. They're like, where are you from? I'm like, New York. They're like, oh my God, do you know where blah, blah, blah is? I'm like, yeah, actually I do. It's three blocks <laughs> that way. I memorized maps. <laughs> well, well, or, or more than likely, I just passed it, you yeah. know? So everyone's like, mm-hmm. oh, thank you so much. And then it gets better. <laughs> so everyone's asking me directions, uh, which is great because they're, and I double great. I know where things are because I either just passed it or I memorize maps. Um, and then the third one is I, I show up, um, I go to my rental car place to drive to uh, Perugia where the, uh, oh. where the wedding was. I've been there. It's and nice. um, I had booked a mid-size car. Well, a mid-size would be like an A4 Audi or a C-class Mercedes. That's mid-size there, right? Or that's full-size. I booked a full-size car. And I go to the, uh, the, the guy and he goes, um, are you alone? I go, yeah. He goes, you want a convertible instead? I go, yeah, I want a convertible instead. <laughs> so he gives me a convertible for this. So I pull up to this castle where the wedding is wearing my blazer and my Ray-Bans in a convertible and all the Americans here for this wedding, like one of my friend's family, you know, looking very American-y and very American-y on vacation with mm-hmm. like, you know, a UC Santa Barbara banana slugs shirt and like <laughs> jean shorts. He goes, oh, you must be, uh, you, must, you must be their friend from who lives in Italy. I'm like, nope, I'm from New York. And they're like, oh, but you, you must be the one who lives here in Rome and uh, in, in Italy. I go, nope. They're like, what's with the dressing? I'm like, this is how I dress. I'm like, what's with the convertible? I'm like, 
I asked for a convertible and the wife slaps the husband goes, we could have gotten a convertible. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. You know, I'm glad you used Italy as an example Yeah, because that's one that I use frequently too. Okay, go. Um, I studied abroad in Florence when I was 20 years old. Firenze. Firenze. Um, And I got so much harassment. I I was shared an apartment with eight other girls and we all got harassed by the local men so much. Like I was such a club girl back then when I was in my early 20s. I was at the club like every night. And you would walk through the club and you you would just shake your arm every few seconds because a guy would grab you. And but then I realized that I really wasn't dressing like Italian women. So I was making myself a very easy and obvious mark. Mm-hmm. And these days I go I go to Italy all the time. I love Italy, one of my favorite countries. I wear a ton of black. I always wear designer sunglasses and I keep to myself. I don't I find that Americans like tend to survey places and they tend to comment on everything. Like, oh my God, look at that. Like, like I'm going to go throw this out over there. <laughs> Things like that, you know? <laughs> so American. <laughs> Rather than going to throw it out, you say, I'm going I'm to throw, throw this, this over out yeah. over there. Yeah. Oh my God, I never thought about that. There I is, know, but it's so true, isn't there, it? There's this one British comedian, I forgot who it is, but he's like, you, do you ever know, I'm not going to try to do British accent, but he's like, do you ever notice that Americans call things exactly what they are? Um, we should throw that out. Where? Over there. In the waste paper basket. <laughs> it's like, you mean the bin? No, it's the waste paper basket because it is a basket where the waste paper goes. And it's like, or Americans, or Americans are like, <laughs> uh, can you pass me my eyeglasses? Well, glasses would suffice. Well, no, I need to know where they go because they're not arm glasses, they're eyeglasses. <laughs> and uh, and uh, what was the funniest one? I was like, and the, the best Americanism is horseback riding. What exactly did they try before they figured it out it was the horse back that they needed? <laughs> wow. <laughs> so dress yeah. dress local. Yes. Um, and, you know, Italians, they were so much more. Or not necessarily dress local, stuff. just don't dress conspicuously touristy. Yes. Um, and another example I can give you, when I went to Colombia. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, it was my first time in Colombia. I flew into Cartagena. Cartagena in August was like one of the most humid places I've ever been. And even though it made me miserable, I wore skinny jeans the whole time. Um, all the lo- all the tourists were wearing like these rompers and these tank tops and short shorts and all that. Mm-hmm. But no, local women wore long jeans, which is fairly standard throughout Latin America. Mm-hmm. Um, women dress that way, so that's what I did too. Right, and you and could you know, still, wear, you could still yeah. wear the tank top. Exactly. But Tank top, but you but cover... But wear the jeans. Yeah, in Latin America, women are more likely to show their boobs, but not their legs. Yep. And Japan's like the opposite. Like, they'll wear short short dresses, but they never, never show the yeah. at all. Um, and actually, you know, interestingly, um, I live in a very Dominican part of Harlem, and whenever I go out dressed in that same, like, Colombian-style outfit, people always speak to me in Spanish first. Like, if I have some if you're on. wearing the skinny jeans, the sunglasses, and the, skinny and, jeans, the tank and the, top, and the or the tight T-shirt, yep, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I, you, you don't realize that you know all of these looks, mm-hmm. but you know all these looks. Yeah, I, I'm picturing the, that Japanese look, you know, yeah, exactly, and I just pictured yeah. that Latin American look, mm-hmm. and I just pictured that Italian look. So, you know, Google this. Yeah, look how people dress. Exactly. And you don't, as long as you don't. That's one of my things. Again, back to the maps. Mm-hmm. I. 
if you're going to go, if you got to go look at your map or look at your phone or your map, duck into a Starbucks. Exactly. Duck into a cafe. Plan where you're going ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not making fun of you, Julia, but when you pulled out the maps in the middle of Bangkok, I'm like, what are you doing? We don't do this here. Uh, You don't pull out the map. Go somewhere, sit down, get a cup of coffee, a bottle of water, relax yourself a little bit, open up the map, figure out where you're going next. Okay, it's 10 blocks away. We can make it there. We don't need to look at the map. Very American thing. Exactly. Dave, we go right. We go right, Dave, right at the next block. (laughs) That's it. Americans narrate everything they do. I never thought of that, do we? Yeah. Yeah. We really do. I think we do. I know. Um, Next comment on everything. By the way, we're not Americans. Oh, oh, no, obviously not. No. We're New Yorkers. Yes. Yes. Now that's another big one. That's That's another big one. Are you are you American? No, I'm a New Yorker. Oh my God, tell me everything about New York. Yes. That, by the way, for the rest of you, sucks to be you. But for Kate, (laughs) but for Kate and I, I'll tell you, traveling abroad, that is a huge hand grenade that solves so many problems. When people go, are you American? You go, yes, but I'm a New Yorker. And they go, from the city? And you go, yes. Uh, they're like, oh, oh, stars in their eyes. Exactly, exactly. That, wow, that is an international, like, just erase borders. Mm -hmm. Because we're the best. Yep. Yeah. And and one other thing that when it comes to dress to fitting in, when I say I like to fit in, what if you're somewhere like Thailand or Mexico? I am never going to pass for Thai or Mexican, Mm -hmm. but you should still make an effort anyway, because if I can't look like a local, I like to look like a longtime expat. Expat. Exactly. That's what you should be aiming for. Yeah. That's that's a good one. You know what you're doing. Yeah. I, I live here. Or I travel here seasonal. I, I travel here seasonably enough yeah. that you're not going to take me for a ride. Yeah, you yeah. can't pull your shit on me. Yeah. Um, spend extra money on staying safe. Yes. Define that. What I mean is, if it's late at night and you're not comfortable taking the bus or subway, take that or taxi. Take a taxi. If that or, hostel looks a little shady, go to that hotel. Yes. If you want to take a dive course, um, don't go for the cheapest one. Spend money on like the really nice dive school that has like a, one of those chambers if something seriously goes wrong, or a hotel that's in a better neighborhood. Bariatric chamber. Barometric yeah. chamber. Yes. Barometric chamber. I think. Yes. Um, or yeah, just a hotel in a nicer neighborhood that's not in a rough neighborhood. Just spend a little extra money on your safety and budget that into your plans. Documents and secret cash. We sort of talked about that. Keep mm-hmm. your bag on you all the time. Keep that secret stuff with you mm-hmm. and lock stuff in the safe. Mm-hmm. Always, always, always make multiple photocopies of your passport yes. and put them everywhere, yep. everywhere on your person, in the bag, in the suitcase, buried in the suitcase and hell next to the passport itself. Who knows? Yeah. It could get run through the wash or whatever. Yep. Um, travel insurance. Mm-hmm. Now, that's something I've never done before. Oh, you have to. What's it do? You know, it's so many travel bloggers don't buy it. Then they get themselves into trouble. Travel insurance generally protects you from um, when you're abroad if you from theft or um, getting you medical care when you're traveling or if you have to have your plans canceled. Those are generally the three major areas. Um, if you get robbed and if you file a police report, generally you have to file a police report, um, tell your travel insurance and they'll refund you whatever the policy says they will refund you for. The so so at least it'll give you a 
break glass in case of emergency. Exactly. And if you're amount in a, of cash to just get to yeah. safety or yep. get yourself on the next flight or whatever. Yes. And if you're in a situation <clears throat> like some kind of coup breaks up or something like that, you can call them and they can help you get you out. But I think medical care is a big one. A couple of years ago, I was doing a Christmas market trip through Germany and this was kind of stupid. I was making a Snapchat video for my friend and jumping back onto the bed and I slammed my head into the corner of like the bedpost. It's like eight people die in the Grand Canyon a year on Snapchats or Instagrams getting that. And Actually, some people from my community have recently. Yeah. Really sad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Um, El Capitan or, yes, or, or Half Dome, right? Yeah. yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at least so you I just ended, banged yeah. your head on a yeah. German hotel room. I know. But yeah, best case scenario. But it turns out I had a concussion, went to the hospital in Munich, and because I wasn't an EU resident, it cost me 300 euros. But the but travel insurance nailed it. They, yeah, they refunded me yeah. for that. 300 euros is not a small amount of money. So I was no. very happy to get that back. No. I always carry um, a couple emergency American $100 bills. Mm-hmm. Because those are literally the safest currency worldwide. Yeah. Um, and and hundred dollar bills specifically. Yeah. Not the rest of them, but mm-hmm. a couple of American hundred dollar bills I travel with, mm-hmm. um, and I have a uh, emergency debit card that has. I'm not going to tell you how many thousands of dollars on it, but it's got it's an emergency debit card that will get me out of like that is yes. separate from all my other bank accounts. Yes. It only has that money on it. I do not touch it and that is the break glass in case of emergency and I lose everything. That debit card is what I have for like escape. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And I was in a situation I had my wallet stolen in Sri Lanka a few years ago on the train and because I had my backup debit card in a different section of my bag, I survived off that. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, now, this back in the day was harder uh, the check in regularly with someone at home. I mean, now with a data plan or swapping a new SIM card, you could be checking with someone 24 yeah. 7. Yeah. You know, I don't even get a SIM card that much these days because everywhere has Wi Fi. Yeah, you could go Wi Fi to Wi Fi. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually set my, I think my, my plan is when I go to Asia, it's $10 a day. To use on the, your US on my plan. US bill, mm-hmm. so you know, you go for 14, mm-hmm. 17 days, $170. That's oh, that, it's so much cheaper if you get a SIM card on the ground, though. I know, I know, but it's like it, like the US is the most expensive place in the world for phone plans, but I'm, I'm lazy. <laughs> okay, well, you can, you can put a price tag on that. <laughs> I can put a price tag on that $10 a day to have my phone work over there without doing anything, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, checking regularly. That's uh, infinitely more easy now than it would be even even five years ago. Because mm-hmm. now every every phone, every place has Wi Fi, and every phone is a smartphone. You know. Yeah. Um, well, where are we right now? What's next? What's the next big trip? Uh, not not really sure. I'm doing a little Mexico trip, but that's just going to be for a couple of days up to this island called Holbosch in in the Yucatan. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, last year I went to Antarctica and Hokkaido, Japan over the winter. So mm-hmm. I never got a warm escape. So I'm like, this winter is going to be treat, all about warm treat, escapes. Treat yourself. Yes, yeah. most definitely. And I'm looking forward to doing a big Northern Italy trip in, um, in June. Mm-hmm. And since last year I achieved two of my really big goals. I visited my seventh continent and I visited my final country in Europe, which was Cyprus. Um, I, I need a new goal for myself. And I was thinking, you know, it might be nice to go to every region in Italy. 
There are 20 regions in Italy. I've been to 10 of them right now. So mm-hmm. I think I might start working on the other 10. What, 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 about, what about like Central Asia, like in Azerbaijan or... Uh, the Caucasus has been a big goal of mine. Yeah. Like I keep floating up. So maybe the, a big Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan trip. Yeah. And in the fall, you know, the thing about like all this planning is that you got to time it right for the weather and all that. Um, I'm thinking next fall, late in the fall, maybe November, um, Ethiopia. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. You know, I just figured, I found out recently, uh, Addis Ababa is one of the, ta- the highest altitude capitals on earth. Yes. I didn't know it's at like 8,000 feet or something like that. Yeah. I just assumed Ethiopia, Africa, blah, 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 blah. Well, it's- that's one reason why their runners, their marathoners are so good because they're used to training at that altitude. Duh. Stupid, <laughs> stupid, stupid Austin. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah, I, I haven't I haven't checked off the Africa box yet. Oh, you have to. Well, I have to tell you, one of my absolute favorite countries in the world is South Africa. Mm-hmm. I've been three times. South Africa. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, South Africa has everything. It's got Kruger is some of is amazing for safari. It has a great wine region, Stellenbosch. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. I love so South much. African wines are great. South Africa is my favorite wine country. Yeah. It really is. Um, the Garden Route has these amazing towns and really cool adventure activities you can do in all of them. And Durban is like Miami. It's, it's like Africa's Miami. Really? This, this beachside city. No which way. Is really cool. And they have all of these, um, this big Indian community. So they have this dish. It's called bunny chow. It's basically like a self-size, one person little loaf of bread that they hollow out and fill with curry. And you, and you just grab the whole thing and you just maul it. That Arr. sounds really... I mean, I do that naturally in my first <laughs> yeah. place. Like, everyone else takes, the, you know, their nans and their rotis and they, like, delicately dip it. I'm like, no, I'm just going to open this thing up, pour it all in, and just, yeah. like, eat it like that. Yeah. Well, that's how I eat at home alone. I'm kind of surprised it hasn't exploded in New York yet, but I have the feeling... Bunny chat? Bunny chow. Bunny chow. Yeah, I, I think there might be a few places that serve it. There, I think there's a South African restaurant on the Upper East Side. Oh, there's also... Uh, there's one... I don't know if it's still open. There mm-hmm. used to be one in Hell's Kitchen called Zhao Zhao. Oh, okay. Uh, X-I-A-O, X-I-A-O, or X-I-A, Zha Zha, X-I-A, X-I-A. That's um, that's a beach town in Mozambique. Is it? Or Shai Shai. Shai Shai. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's still open. I think it was on like 54th and 9th Avenue, but it was a South African cuisine Mm -hmm. restaurant. So Mozambique obviously borders South Africa, so that's where they were going with that. Yeah. I think like, it's still open. If New York got into the bunny chow game, oh, it would be like the next Instagrammable food. That's like all my Irish friends want to open a proper Irish chippy. Mm-hmm. Like, really? Yeah, just literally. A, oh, a, will, will you deep fry Mars bars though? Of course. Oh, you must. yes, I you know, love that. You have you have like you have like five items, like three different kinds of fish, mm-hmm. uh, chips, and a Mars bar. Yep. And you got you know or pizza if you're feeling really adventurous. And you got you got you know five or six seats in it, but really you open at 11 p.m. and you close at 6 a.m. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They want to open a proper exactly. Irish chip. Oh, mu- you know, mush- throw some mushy peas in there yes. too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, one of them should do it because it will kill if it's in the right neighborhood and yes. it opens at the right time. Yeah. Um. So you're you're thinking uh, uh, Ethiopia, mm-hmm. and then you want to do a Caucasus trip. Yes. Um. What's what else is on the bucket list? I haven't been to Brazil yet. Brazil is a very big one. It, it is very big. I think it's the yes. I think it's the fourth largest. Yes. <laughs> um, the Galapagos will probably be happening sometime this year. I think that'd be wonderful. You know, interestingly, I have a friend who went to the Galapagos with Alex Trebek. 
Yes, they have done trips. The Jeopardy has done trips to the Galapagos. And I believe right now the uh, the sweepstakes for the upcoming Jeopardy All-Star Tournament, which has a captain named Austin Rogers, who's me because I'm freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe the winner or the winners of the fantasy draft or the fantasy game of the Jeopardy All-Star Tournament, I think... They're doing some Antarctic little Antarctic islands for the winners of that mm-hmm. sweepstakes. Amazing. Yeah. You know, there's an island that doesn't get a lot of press. It's called South Georgia. Have you heard of it? I've heard of South Georgia yeah. Island, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, with um, the amazing king penguin colonies uh-huh, uh-huh. and all that. I would love to go there. And some Antarctic journeys go there. Mine didn't, but I think it'd be cool to do just on its own. South Georgia Island has the world's southernmost operating post office. Really? Yes. That's interesting. It is a... Uh, it's Her Majesty's post office. Mm-hmm. It is a, it's a British post office. Yeah. Um, I, I'm fascinated by the, 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 the super remote islands. So am I. Like, what, like, like Lord Howe? Oh, St. Helena. St. Helena, you know? which has an airport now. Wait, when did it get that? Recently. Yeah. Like in the last year. Because it used to be like the, the ship only came like every three months yeah. or something like that. Well, there's still Tristan de Cunha, which is still very, the, very hard to get to. Right, that's that, further south. Yes, but that um, has that has an airport because that's a yes. military, former military no, base. Um, does, Tristan de Cunha, I don't think it does. No. no St. Helena just got there. Just airport. got an airport, yep. right? And you can fly there, I think, from... Cape Town and Namibia. Yeah, yeah, no. and see uh, Napoleon's house. Uh, yeah. And uh, what was what's the other one? Um, fascinated by. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, I forgot. I'm just fascinated by these remote islands yes. that just have these remote island communities on them. Um, I mean, not they're not super remote anymore, but they used to be the Falklands. You know, mm-hmm. I want to go to a place like that. Uh, the Pitcairn Islands. Pitcairn Islands, yes. There is this uh, trip that Nat Geo does yep. from Easter Island to Tahiti by ship. Oh, Ascension, just, Ascension Island, which I think is Ascension, the, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the that's, most um, remote island on Earth, I think. Yeah. That's in the South, South Indian Ocean, right? Yes, N- I think so. Yeah. And oh, uh, what's the other one? Diego Diego Garcia, I think. I don't know. It's got a British and American Air Force base on it. Oh, Midway Island. It's like Midway. I, I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. There's literally nothing on Midway, but yeah. there used to be a Pan Am hotel on Midway because the Pan Am Clippers used to fly that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm really fascinated by remote islands, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I also know that if I'm committing like the three month ship journey to get there, and then I have to stay there for like a month, I'd be like. Uh, I'm done here. There's only one bar here. (laughs) (laughs) There's one bar here and 700 people. Well, you know, um, some of the trips that are like my real bucket list that are crazy expensive and so hard to do, and I don't know if I'll ever get to do them, but there are a couple of really crazy Arctic journeys that I would like to do. Arctic. Arctic journeys. There's one that goes, starts in Northern Norway and it goes eastward. Um, all the way to Nome, Alaska. So it basically skips along the top of Russia. Oh, got it, got it. It goes to like Franz Joseph Land. Right, 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 right. Wrangell Island, all of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, Jan Mayen Land. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Kamchatka, like it goes Kam- through, like goes through, yeah, like yeah, yeah. it goes through, like risk territory. Y- yes, <laughs> yeah, you can't see Kamchatka without thinking about no, risk. No, no. Oh wow, that would be a really great one. I know. And there's another one that starts in Greenland, does the west coast of Greenland, and then goes western, like through, through the Canadian like Arctic, Baffin, up and down, and Baffin, all Baffin, Baffin and Island, El- Ellesmere, and mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. Uh, that, yeah, 
I'm just fascinated by remote places. Yes, me too. And Especially, oh, Antarctica is the best place I've ever been and the most beautiful. Well, because it's like, okay, you know what? Rome was amazing, mm-hmm. but I can go to Rome when I'm 70. That is you a know? good point. Yeah. Right? Like Rome, Rome... Rome's been there and been sacked and burned, you know, a couple hundred times in the past 2,500 yeah. years. I don't think Rome's really going anywhere. I could go to Rome. You know, London got burnt in 1666. I don't think London's going to burn down anymore. You can go back to London. Yep. Uh, you, you, all, these, all these Western places, you can go back to. Yeah. You know? That's a really good point. You know, a lot of people on my Antarctica trip were 60 plus. They were mostly couples. And, and some you, of them they had, should have done it the other way around. I know. And some of them right? had health issues that made like climbing the the gangway. We all had to climb the gangway up and down twice a day, and a lot of people had a hard time yeah. climb with that climb. Yeah. Now, obviously, there's something afforded to it by having the time and luxury of money of yes. that. But I think our our our, uh, blah, 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 our our perspectives are a little skewed. Maybe you should take your time and money right now and worry about you know growing old later. Uh, I agree. Not not worry about growing old later, but worry about that using that money because I just did an interview on elder care and end of life money mm-hmm. and. Turns out that 85% of us, our retirement money probably won't go to retirement. Mm. It'll probably go to end of life, life care. Yeah. So if you're saving for your end of life retirement anyway, mm-hmm. spend your money now. Yeah. Go out and do the, do the Antarctica and do those remote islands. Yeah. And you know, when you're older, when you're in your 50s and 60s, Maybe then you could do London because guess what? You can walk London and take a bus in London and take a taxi in London, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And maybe then do you know? Maybe then do your Berlin because you could take the uh, Ubansi, whatever the Bon, what uh, Uterbahn. <laughs> what what do they, they call the German subway? The U-Bahn. The U-Bahn. Yeah, that's the that's the subway, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or like oh, the, the, the S-Bahn. Uh, the S- the S-Bahn the S- and the U-Bahn. The S-Bahn is the above and the U-Bahn is the below. Yeah. 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 I don't uh, know. I do think there's something to be said about going to Berlin when you're young and up for clubbing. Yeah, right? Which I, I feel at 34 I've kind of aged out of. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. But back in the day, oof, yeah. Uh, um, so my next trip is January. Mm-hmm. I am going to buy a car mm-hmm. in Los Angeles and spend... Three to four weeks driving it back to New York. That is awesome. Taping podcasts city to city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're listening, because I think we're going to air this one shortly. I think I'm going to air this one next week. I really like this one. Yay. Uh, so this will be, everyone, happy Christmas and happy New Year's, because that's when we're going to air this. And if you are in the following cities and you think that maybe you'd be someone I'd want to interview if you are in Los Angeles, San Diego, San Francisco, Portland, Las Vegas, Phoenix, Santa Fe, Austin, San Antonio, New Orleans, Charleston, D.C., or, well, then I'm back in New York. Well, screw that. If you're in any of the cities, let me know because uh, maybe we'll interview you on whatever your expertise are. Uh, Where can everyone find you, Kate? Just Google Adventurous Kate. My site is adventurouskate.com, or you could follow me on Instagram at adventurouskate. Wow, you actually got your first choice, huh? I know, I'm yeah. pretty lucky. So adventurouskate.com and adventurouskate on Instagram. I think we're going to be hearing a lot from Adventurous Kate in the near future. Everyone have a fantastic evening, and I hope you had a good time, as good time as we did. Good night. Good night, Kate. Good night. <laughs>